Blog Talk Radio. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer. To give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, cause Palestine Palestine. needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. Good evening. This is Charles Collingsworth at the White House in Washington, D.C. For many of you, this will be your first visit to this historical landmark. Our tour through these hallowed halls will be conducted by the First Lady.
father killed my great-great-grandfather. And your white-great-grandfather sold my great-grandfather. And your white-grandfather raped my grandmother. And your father stole, cheated, lied, and robbed my father. What kind of a fool would I have to be to say, come, my friend, to the white daughter and son? Good evening, America. This is your president. Please listen carefully to the announcement I'm about to make. After careful consideration and research, Vice President Duke, Congress, and myself have concluded that black people have not advanced technologically. Their educational testing scores are on a rapid decline. The vast majority of them are on welfare and producing babies at a faster rate than they can support them. And we will not carry them anymore. We are left with no other choice but to put slavery back into effect. All blacks will report to the designated camps in their area to receive further orders. The only blacks excused will be those serving in the United States military and the police. Any blacks who do not cooperate will be terminated immediately. I repeat, slavery is back in effect. We are at war! That's what I told you. I know you heard what the president said, and if the nigga don't move, then he's dead. It's time for us to take the stand. Woman to woman and man to man. Blood rushes through your veins, you feel the fear. Who'd have thought that it could happen here? In the land of the free, home of the brave. The year's 95, you're a slave. Some know it's shocked when they first hear the news. Press play and then rewind and review. But the message is clear and it cuts just like the knife. You don't surrender, they take your life. And I remember some movies my mama used to show me. What's your name? Remember the times when they bought and they sold us. We are That's what I told you. 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 Okay. 
those who have lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard. You liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Paul, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. Oh, no, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he's sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. That's no thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, he's become one of us. It's you liberals who have lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard, you liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Paul, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. Oh, no, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he's sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. That's no thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, He's become one of us. We welcome you to Africa on the Move. As your host, Brother Africa, it's always an honor and privilege to come in your home this evening where we can speak to the powerless and the powerful. We hope to share information with you where you can use it as a tool for liberation. That's to help liberate your people and to help liberate humanity from all of the various forms of oppression. On the 10th day of December, 2023, we bring you a special episode titled APAC, Sports and Neocolonialism, The Politics of Zionism in the African Community. That's our theme tonight. Like always, we invite you to join us. But dial in at 323-679-0841. Before we continue down the road of liberation, we would like to remind our brothers and sisters and the rest of the world on certain aspects of our history as it relates to today's date on the 10th of this day. In Namibia, Women's Day, dozens of women were killed and wounded during the mass protests in 1954. On this date, the popular movement for the liberation of Angola, MPLA, was established in 1956, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. accepted the Nobel Peace, Peace, Peace Prize in 1964. 
There was just some historical events that took place on this particular day. I want you always to remember them, teach them to the youth, and continue to learn the history of the contributions that our people have made towards our liberation and our liberation and humanity. So what we're going to do right now, like always, I'm your host, Brother Africa, and the way we get started with our party is to introduce you to our political panelists and enemies. As they sit in the seat, they're going to take the heat. As they define it, they also will stand behind it. We often tell you that we may not give you what you want, but we will do our best to give you what you need. So on that note, let's get started with our party by introducing you to our political panelists and analysts for today's program. First, you'd like to bring in Brother Hakeem, who is a member and representative of the African Awareness Association. We'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Hakeem. Brother Africa, my name is Haki Kamatha Mashoki. Currently, I'm with African Awareness. And Brother Africa, you know my thing is all about institution building. But when I think about institutions, there's certain information that uh, often come up from time to time that just gives you pause. Recently, I read a, uh, a, a case about a young woman named Christina Dixon uh, who was found guilty uh, because she refuses to continue um, chemotherapy for her, 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 her daughter. Now, what's interesting about this particular story is that it raises the question, you know, are laws used to benefit people or certified elite control over people? And this is particularly relevant when we start talking about the medicine because the bottom line is that often we mistake medicine as being scientific. In reality, it's not. And so, therefore, in that regard, does parents have choices that they make in terms of the treatment of their children? But in any event, Brother Africa, I just want, I want you to check this out. Now, Christina Dixon of Oregon was found guilty of custodial interference and mistreatment of her 13-year-old daughter because of her refusal to allow continuation of chemotherapy treatment for her daughter's liver cancer. The mother perceived as ineffective. Consequently, the mother started using CBD oil or cannabidonis to treat the cancer. Whether the mother employed additional modalities like diet or herbal supplements is unknown, but, there, but what is known Response from the alternative medicine community was decisive. This response from the alternative medicine community was not just a repudiation of government's attempt to eliminate parental rights or constitutional right to make choices for her child, but more pragmatic reasons for doing so. Chief among those concerns evolved around the very meaning of science as it relates to health care. Science is defined as a systematic study of social phenomena through experimentation and observation. Parameters of such studies are hampered by pre-agreed upon suppositions that may or may not objectively exist in qualifying the structural relationship between various components of diseases being studied. Because there is no absolute con conclusion of how diseases function, at best only consensus can be established on the effectiveness of medical treatment, not uniformity of results as real science requires. Where uniformity comes, absolute confirmation of scientific understanding of disease can be established. The irony is, without uniformity or how science heals diseases, only consensus remains where, <laughs> where, some, where some scientists agree on scientific validity while others totally disagree. Now, often this dichotomy of science or versus non-science is on the full display concerning advertisements for new medications. 
Medications are often advertised as treatment for particular ailments or diseases while exposing at the same time. If you take this medication, it may result in heart, kidney, brain, or blood disorder that could be fatal. If the medication was truly a product of science, it would, would complement the healing of the entire body and its systems resulting in a cure, not destructive of major bodily systems making such medications non-scientific. Now, science in its, in its truest sense can only be established by numerous academic disciplines all pointing to a common truth. For example, the African origin of humans and of civilization can be derived from the academic disciplines of anthropology, genetics, biology, biochemistry, climatology, and history. There is no ambiguity. The science is irrefutable, and no level of deception can alter the scientific fact embraced by scientists. In the case of diseases, the fact of establishing the emergence of disease complicates the treatment of disease, which means an analysis of scientific discovery as to the primacy of effectively treating diseases comes down to a consensus, not fact, between established medicine and holistic medicines, including homeopathic medicines. In this regard, it seems logical since a split exists among medical practitioners, this, this mother should have the option of pursuing a medical treatment alternative when established medicine has not obtained the anticipated results based on science. Now, for many, the, the question comes down to expertise to determine the course of medical treatment for children. While this all sounds counterintuitive or no, or no brainer, the presence of political considerations by the state should never be underestimated. Certainly, the, the liber, libertarian impulses of legitimate freedom has resonance here, but the bigger picture of the state using, using the case to reinforce the policies of the masses is the kind of abuse laden with destructive possibilities when states enjoy unregulated power. In the case of mandated COVID-19 vaccine injections, many livelihoods were destroyed because of refusal by many to be injected by vaccines that have dubious effects against COVID-19 virus. Leading the charge was charge against mass inoculation of COVID-19 vaccines were scientists and doctors advocating against non-science taunting the benefits of ruling out billions of vials of vaccine to treat a virus whose origin was sketchy and whose impact on humans were questionable. It turns out that these scientists and doctors who were vilified by the state were correct. The hype surrounding the COVID-19 was merely a hype, and the damage to public health is beginning to circulate in mass. Recently, the state of Texas has initiated a lawsuit against Pfizer, alleging its vaccines contribute to a medical crisis because it has been demonstrated deaths of those taking the vaccine were greater than those who did not take the vaccine. Now, under this backdrop, it has been established medical outcomes are not always high on the list of medical priorities. Parents' apprehension of establishment medication is well-founded particularly when taking into consideration holistic treatments established thousands of years ago are summarily dis discarded by established medical researchers as obsolete, irrelevant, or unscientific. Much of this befuddled thinking among established medicine is a result of the confusion of form versus substance. In the U.S., the medical field spends a lot of money on modality and innovations in which huge sums are spent on updates like x-ray machines, magnetic resonance uh, imaging, ultrasound, computer tomography, or CT scans. Acquiring this new equipment, in, in part, justifies higher hospital costs, but does little in formulating a cure for diseases. While this equipment is effective in confirming a prognosis or identifying the location of an ailment, it replicates the exact findings of old equipment, albeit in some cases quicker. Monies could be better allocated to pursuing a holistic approach to medicine encompassing an entire human, human being be it spiritual, psychological, or dietary. 
Under a holistic treatment plan, resistance to establishing medical procedures could be overcome. Ms. Dixon would have been assured that the only consideration of her child was her health, not how much money could be extracted from her with, with little regard for the health of her child. Instead, in the U.S., the market-based economy or market-based rules continues to inform health care in the U.S. Status census in the form of bureaucracy continues to enhance the health care's bottom line by validating policy that justifies exorbitant costs which is paid out of pocket. This causes the relationship between the state and the medical industry has resulted in U.S. spending the most money toward health care expenditures in the world. According to government statistics, 70% of GDP or U.S. GDP spending is health care. Does this money go towards ensuring better medical outcomes for, for the high cost of medical care in the U.S.? No, it does not. Money instead go to insurers who sacrifice medical care for profits. On average, Journal Health collects $20 billion a year. Cigna collects $7 billion a year. Elements Health collects $6 billion a year. CVS Health collects $4 billion a year. And Humana uh, collects $3 billion a year, to name a few. Given this economic reality, the expectations among Americans is not optimistic about the true nature of health care in American society. It only makes sense if the medical establishment priority is to make excessive profits then seeking legitimate solutions to medical crisis falls on individuals right there wrongly. Ms. Dixon's actions clearly were not criminal. And with that, Brother Africa, I conclude. Thank you, Brother Haki. And for Brother Haki, you will now that I transition to Brother Anthony, who is a member of the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, and we will welcome him to. Africa on the move. Welcome, Brother Anthony. Uh, thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. I object this Pan-Africanism the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Going from Brother Anthony to Brother Moses, who is a member of the D.C. Metro Coalition in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. Welcome to Africa on the Move, Brother Moses. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. Greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism, the father of scientific socialism, during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, E-R-A-S. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I bear witness that the only God is Jesus and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. The struggle is to unite the many to defeat the few. The struggle is to concretely analyze the problems that we are faced with in a class analysis of dialectical and historical materialism to apply it to the concrete struggle here in the U.S. of A. and to come about with a solution, which is revolution. I'll leave it right there. Thank you. 
Thank you, Brother Moses. Father and Brother Moses, we will now bring in Sister Eleanor, who is also a member of the D.C. Metro Coalition in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution, and we will welcome her as well to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Sister Eleanor. Thank you, Brother Africa. Thank you so much. And to the fellow analysts and our listening audience in the United States and abroad, my name is Eleanor Johnson. Uh, I'm an artist, an environmentalist, and a human rights advocate. And I uh, tell you that Africa on the Move is the most informative uh, form that uh, I have seen in some time. And uh, I thank you for allowing my participation this evening. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Sister Eleanor, and to our listening audience, what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a rubber spin and cultural break, and when we come back, we'd like to invite you and the rest of the listening world to join us as we discuss what's going on in your world and the community. We will have that discussion when we return. You are listening to Africa on the Move. Well, 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 well
Him go bribe some thousand naira bread To become one you see let the chief Like rap they do them go they do from corner corner Passy passy young down the passy passy side side passy passy in in passy passy out out passy passy Party, party, call confusion. Party, passion, steal your illusion. Party, party, pay the problem. Party, party, Africa on the move on the southern. Welcome back to Africa on the move. These international thieves, they cause mostly everything. But we know the solution to that problem is the solution of we must get organized. Organization is the key. It will set all our streets. Welcome back to Africa on the Moon. Our theme tonight, APAC, Sports, and Neocolonialism. The Politics of Zionism in the African Community. But before we get to our theme right now, we can go to our segment, What's Going On in Your World and the Community and Your Community. And you too can participate by calling in at 323-679-0841. So we can come to you, Brother Hattie. We can open up your mic, Brother Hattie. There are so many things going on right now. What's going on in your world and the community? Brother Haki. <clears throat> well, well, Brother Africa, so much so much trouble in the world. You know, uh, uh, recently it was disclosed uh, by ad agencies some of the uh, duplicity going on in relation as relates to U.S. political uh, um, 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 political uh, can, uh, campaign in American society. So I thought it was very interesting that I just elucidate just a little bit in terms of some of the real concerns in terms of this propensity, in terms of manipulating the masses of people, in terms of doing precisely uh, what is – get them to do what they do, uh, that is, even though it's not in their best interest. Now, recently it was disclosed by Group M of the world's largest advertising firm, upcoming election cycle for president will see expenditures on political ads of $15.9 billion, 30% higher than the amount spent on the 2019-2020 election cycle. Group M subsequently amended the total amount spent on campaign ads to $17.1 billion, including direct mail ads tailored for specific political orientation. Now, when putting these political ad expenditures in perspective, according to Group M, uh, we represent the 10th largest expenditures on ad campaigns in the world. Even though Group M's estimates are in dispute by other ad agencies, the amount in dispute are still considerable. Ad impact projects estimates, estimates have Critical ads expenditures for the year 2023 to 20, 2024, around $10.2 billion, with a projected increase of expenditures of 13%. Ad impact projected speculates expenditures on political ads will break down based on the following. $2.7 billion will be spent on presidential elections only. $2.1 billion will be spent for Senate candidates. $1.7 billion will be spent on congressional candidates. Of <laughs> which designers have pledged 100 million to unseat the squad. And the squad I'm talking about are Ayana Presley, Rashida Talib, AOC, and Ihan Omar for daring to critique the Zionist regime for genocide against the Palestinian people. What is interesting about these expenditures is more money is allocated based on the perceived power of the institution. Obviously, more is allocated for presidential candidates because of the president's ability to bypass Congress using executive orders to reward friends in terms of contracts. But the difference in political expenditures between the Senate and House candidates truly revealed the level of corruption in the body politic. It can be surmised Senate's ability to hold impeachment hearings against the president as the, as the only body of the government serves as a rubber stamp for questionable presidential behavior. 
If the president understands outlandish behavior will not be punished, he becomes more emboldened in showing the elevation of a red Caesar or Trump-like fascism in American society. Also, the Senate solely uh, confirms president appointments, and and with, concept, with conservative senators, uh, thus ensuring the left candidates are not confirmed or at least blocked from confirmation. Now, by contrast, congressional now by contrast, uh, congressional uh, members uh, real power reside in the international arena. Now, in concluding, Brother Africa, you know, one of the things that the article includes, one area of political ads which is unconventional is down ballot expenditures of $3.3 billion, which will be allocated specifically to down ballots. But what is interesting about down ballot is it refers to money is not spent on the president, money is not spent on the Senate, money is not spent on Congress, but money spent on influencing attitudes. In other words, down ballot is a euphemism for propaganda used to move the, the, the U.S. presumably to the right, but could move the country left or right if it, if it, if it, deemed, if it, if it deemed important at that point in history. Now, the ideological, the ideological force that, con, that conveys this message consistently and broadly likely, likely would influence voters who may not embrace the complexity of political messagings. Now, examples of, you know, the, in terms of the power of propaganda when we talk about elections, if we think back to Barack Obama's uh, election to, power, to office, uh, Obama precisely was elected because of the power of propaganda. Keep in mind, they, they took Obama to a Europe. The first thing they did was take him to Europe. He had these large crowds, hundreds of thousands of people coming out, you know, to pay homage to Obama as, as the first African, you know, to run, to run for the president of the United States. And so it gave Obama a certain kind of legitimacy. Also, in, a, in conjunction with that, the media was also able to paint white folks as fundamentally racist if they didn't vote for Obama. And in fact, that kind of propaganda essentially worked because a lot of white folks abstained from voting under the guise that if they voted for someone other than Trump, other than, than, than Obama, they would be perceived as racist. Now, Trump, uh, in terms of propaganda, uh, if we recall that Cambridge Analytics uh, manipulated social media accounts for its sole purpose in terms of crafting a message, which was which was uh, very difficult people for people to reject. So, it, in, so what it scientifically did was to incorporate their biases and to give them give them give them back their biases in a way in which is very very palatable. And so they thought that what they was reading was an actual reflection in terms of events that are taking place. Uh, what it means to their lives in terms of, you know, in terms of who becomes the next president of the United States. And as a consequence of those perceptions, they voted for Trump, even though voting for Trump uh, didn't serve their interests, particularly when we talk about poor people in the society. But clearly, this is the power of propaganda. So with, when we talk about $17.1 billion in terms of propaganda, we got to be very, very clear, you know, that the, 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 the implications are not very, very good. And if we don't understand that, then we clearly don't understand the role of propaganda in the U.S. society. And I conclude with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we're going to Brother Anthony. What's going on in your world and the community? The mic is yours. Okay. Uh, in my world, uh, let's see, and uh, 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 I should say our world, rather, the consciousness of the masses of the people is rising. And uh, examples of that are shown uh, from uh, TikTok clips of the, uh, uh, of the video we, uh, we, we looked in preparation for our discussion tonight. Uh, in spite of... Uh, 
uh, enemy propaganda, uh, the consciousness of the people is rising against uh, uh, Zionism. And, uh, and uh, you know, and it's on the side, uh, uh, thanks to the hard uh, work of the Palestinian people, uh, on, on the side of the Palestinians. And um, uh, this, uh, this bodes well for, uh, for the future. In other words, people are becoming more aware of, uh, of uh, the entries of settler colonialism and neocolonialism. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and it, it, this goes well for the future. Uh, don't, uh, don't, uh, only thing that's missing is that we tend to, uh, struggle in isolation, uh, rather than organization. Uh, we need permanent or, uh, permanent organization to solve our problems and uh and that's key and uh but uh uh let's see as Kwame Ture predicted the consciousness of the people will rise as uh as uh society gets more oppressive. Thank you, Brother Anthony and from Brother Anthony we will Direct your attention to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world and the community? Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. world is in turmoil. Um, the situation is is ripe for revolution, in my opinion. Uh, the countries want their independence. Nations want liberation. The people want revolution. Uh, the situation is is ripening and we need to get organized we need organ permanent organization as brother anthony keeps saying uh, we need uh, a program of action that encompasses the the aspirations of the people free education and free health care sponsored by the government single-payer system uh these are the issues that are that uh, we need to bring to the forefront in order to get everybody on one accord. And uh, meanwhile, you know, Trump is still battling his court cases. Uh, um, we're struggling for a new democracy, a democracy in words and in deeds, and not just bourgeois democracy, which is words only. And um, we have to maintain that united front of democratic and socialist and communist against the fascist onslaught. Um, things are, the future is bright. Things are looking up. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Of course the future is looking up because the people will never give up. Thank you, Brother Moses. Next, we'll go to Sister Eleanor. Talk to us. What's going on in your world and the community? Sister Eleanor. 
Well, good evening. You know, to continue where Brother Moses uh, left off about health care, you know, um, I, I began to read a few articles that are exposing how health insurers have been breaking the law for years, you know. And what we realize more than ever is that we need to build a free tool to help patients in this country access their own claims, their hospital claims to their records to see what is going on with their own health care. And it's an unfortunate situation, but it's where it's good in that people, whether it's Blue Cross, Blue Shield, or Medicare, find themselves in a situation where they need access to healthcare information. In addition, on Saturday, uh, the uh, 9th of December, the Washington Press Club uh, held uh, uh, a conference on the press and Julian Assange, and uh, it was very interesting. You had human rights journalists and uh, uh, folks from around the world weigh in on this issue, and their concern is um, if the U.S. is able to, because in 2024, Julian Assange's case will come to an end in Great Britain, and he may very well be extradited to the United States. Now, they plan on, the United States government plans on prosecuting him under the Espionage Act, alleging that uh, he broke the law for simply reporting the truth. And uh, this is a, a horrible thing to to face, but it is a reality. And uh is going to have far-reaching uh, ramifications. Right now, presidents and prime ministers, Nobel Peace Prize winners, are urging the Biden administration to drop all charges or in, or to uh, charge Julian with, under the Espionage Act. This is really urgent, especially in light of the Zionist genocide occurring in Palestine right now and the fact that 63 journalists have been murdered under this genocide. Now, what we what we see is that journalists, it doesn't only affect us here in the United States, but it affects people around the world in that um, Egypt is letting very little information out uh, as to what's happening on its border, um, nor is any information being released uh, around the uh, um, bombardment of Israel, um, of the Gaza Strip, and how and just since October 7th, 17,000 people reportedly 
have been murdered in this genocide. Now, uh, WikiLinks legacy goes beyond exposing government misconduct. It 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 actually pierces the the veil of secrecy or the shroud of secrecy around global affairs. And this is clearly what's happening with the uh, Zionist bombardment. We hear nothing about the children and the families in Israel that are losing their lives, their homes. An entire city has been bombarded and 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 in rubble, but no one's talking about the relief effort. No one's talking about what's happening there. We get a a very prejudiced authoritarian view from the media of what is happening in Israel uh, and in Palestine in particular right now. And uh, uh, some people are beginning to call President Biden. I've heard young people call him genocide Biden. Well, this doesn't stand good uh, in the face of the 2024 election. And then, as Brother Moses said, if you look at the Trump side and the Republican side of this issue and the recent uh, forum held, every candidate spoke about continuing the genocide and, quote, finishing them off. So we are supporting uh, potential murderous uh, candidates, whether it's the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And yes, one appears uh, more uh, openly aggressive than the other, but it's up to the people now to organize, as Brother Anthony says, and to address the issues, as Brother Haki has said and Brother Moses, of health care, housing, um, food deserts, and issues that will unite many groups of people in the United States around the need for revolution going on in my world, looking at the 63 journalists murdered in a month, and no one's reporting on that. Thank you. That's why we got you, Sister Eleanor, because we can't lose with the stuff you use. We thank you for what's sharing with the listening audience what's from your world. In the community, what we're going to do right now, panelists, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break, and when we come back, we're going to have a discussion on today's theme, America-Israel Political Action Committee, APAC, Sports and Neocolonialism, Politics of Zionism in the African Community. And we're going to invite our listening audience to join in on this discussion by dialing in at 323-679-0841. This is Brother Africa. You're listening to Africa on the Move. We'll be right back. Passport Rev. Malcolm on Twitter featuring Napoleon Dumb Legend. Fuck the Bell Radio. 
conspiracy theorists What if Martin had Twitter and all that civil rights talk, man, I wouldn't want to hear it This integration been disintegrating Better off in our own ghettos with our own situation His last speech got him assassinated Black business was booming, who wasn't just a consumer Controlling our narrative, we have more marriages And see what the damage did, they ain't that bad a bitch And welfare did it's way worse than the slavery I'll never be an agent, I don't care what they pay me Seem like Nip had the same old story If we pay a black hater, tell a different allegory Like Pearl Harbor and 9-11 was a mystery Supremacy will go the extent to keep their history alive All I'm saying, if these leaders was alive Who be on the internet trying to divide? And use a hotel hustler Trying to fear people of that low vibe structure Agree to disagree and we ain't gotta tear our own down Argue our silence or forever be our own down All I wanna say is that we giving it away Soul ain't for sale and the devil is a fake Argue with the silence, but don't let it seal our fate Fight behind doors, but don't ever show our face Cause if mom had Twitter, Malcolm had Twitter It'd be our own people do the trolling Spill ignorance and do the scolding Where we going? Cause if mom had Twitter, and Malcolm had Twitter It'd be our own people do the trolling Spill ignorance and do the scolding Where we going? Sometimes the key to life you looking for be right in front of you Tried to show my man hidden colors, he said nothing new I said, what if we been lied to, most of our freaking lives Henry, you're coming tonight, and you ain't speaking right Your arrogance precedes you What if your faith did? I spoke to God on Wednesday, he said most of it's basic Million dollar mindset to be flying, stay hungry Hieroglyphic writing on walls you couldn't take from me A man lay dead in the street today I must have on my head and landed in 1940 or something, I swear. And all I have is love and joy to give. I need to spread my wings. I need to fly away. I want to get high today. Who got five on my little bundle of temporary? Man, I want to live long enough to be legendary. Your statistics said by now that I'm going to be dead and buried. But when I heard your voice, it seems as if we met already. And I march for our rights, that civil, the same purpose. Two different tribes and we fighting the same person. Could it be that our eyes was deceiving us? We had to have faith when nobody believed in us. Cosmic companionship sustained me after my husband was assassinated and gave me the strength to make my contribution to carrying forward his unfinished work. A man lay dead in the street today. I must have bumped my head. And landed in 1940 or something, I swear. And all I have is love and joy to give. I need to spread my wings. I need to fly away. The second lesson we wish to speak of is the role of students. Students, of course, have a role in any society, capitalist society, social society, and their role is to institutionalize the values of the given society. Conscious, of course, in a capitalist system, this should be done unconsciously. But students are the spark of revolution. Of course, we make a difference here between revolution and reform. Those who want reform seek to work, I guess, from the top down, 
those of us who understand fundamental changes know it must come from the bottom up. The students, of course, always work at the point of ideas in a society. Their job is to acquire knowledge, and of course, this knowledge which they acquired is geared by an ideology which tells them what to do with it. So if you're a doctor, instead of curing cancer, you should turn a man to a woman to get money even though she can't make babies. <laughs> that was life. Students, we say, at the point of ideas and the point of values. When one speaks of revolution, one speaks of overturning the values of a given society. If one is not speaking of overturning the values, then one speaks of reform. Thus, one can join the Democratic Party. We're not here to overturn its value. But certainly if one is here for revolution and one is here for people's liberation, one would know that a corrupt instrument can never lead a people to liberation at all. Students then, we say, come to question the values of a society. Of course, in relationship to the values, students, just like anyone in any society, have but two alternatives. Either they accept the values or they reject the values. It's as simple as that. Of course, if they reject the values, they have a responsibility to find alternative values. But either you accept cheating as a student or you reject it. It's as simple as that. Either you accept any value in the society or you reject it. Students, once having rejected a society, bringing together their ideas and their energies and strength to work against these values connected with the masses always give us revolution. Thus from the 60s, while the reform movement, we were able to see that students, joined with the masses of the people, came to bring a lot of changes to the country. Thus we must not confuse ourselves. The job of students to clear here. Their job is to spark revolution. Students cannot carry revolution through to the end. The final triumph of revolution must be carried through to the end by the masses, the workers, and the peasants. But students play a crucial role. We say they spark revolution. Certainly, if we did not recognize this, the enemy did. The FBI, before the 60s, did not have informers on college campus. After the 60s, they put an informer on every college campus in the country. Their job was simple, stop any activity at all that runs against the status quo. We say it's a mobilized people who can allow this, because when you're mobilized and fight like an animal, after you get tired and you wind down, then the enemy comes back stronger than he did before. Students spark revolution, and we must work everywhere to have students live up to their responsibility of sparking revolution. Here, of course, it calls for the students properly understanding the role of knowledge. Knowledge has but one purpose. Its purpose is to alleviate the sufferings of humanity. Knowledge has but one purpose. Its purpose is to alleviate the sufferings of humanity. Capitalism is a backward and stupid system. Capitalism is a contemptuous system. Capitalism is a system based on profit. It will make a commodity out of everything. It will take my mother and sell her on a slave block. It will make students acquire knowledge and make them sell their knowledge on the slave block to advance themselves rather than serving humanity. The struggle becomes especially crucial for African students. We say no individual African in this country makes any advance unless it is a result as mass struggle. Any student sitting in any seat in any college in America know that they didn't gain that seat through their own individual talents, but only through the struggles of the masses of their people. Thus that seat belongs to the people. The knowledge they acquire there must be used for the people, otherwise they have already betrayed the people and have repeated errors. We'd like to welcome you back. You will listen to a piece on Kwame Gray speaking to and about the Royal students and how crucial they can play a role in the society. And it's really worth a backdrop for discussion today. It has a direct connection 
which we hope to maybe show that connection when we we discuss today's theme, which is APAC, sports and neocolonialism, the politics of Zionism in the African community. One of the things we do on Africa on the Moon is to to try to give information, find information that is relevant to the issues, the concerns of communities, as well as the oppressed world. And we would like to give credence to and like to thank all of the originators and the creators on YouTube who helped produce three interesting videos in which we would like to encourage those who have not seen them to go and see them. And the title of those videos are The Jewish APAC Lobby. Offer Americans 100 million to fire and unseat black people. Another one is NFL are in fear and nervous after asking players to take a knee. Jewish lobby pay for it. And third video is Cory Booker. Recruiting black people for APAC. Those are three three real interesting videos, and we'd like to thank the creators on YouTube for providing to the public such important information. And we would just like to be a connector and a continuator of spreading good work to our listening audience in the world. So we're going to try to discuss a little bit about Looking at Critique Media 3 videos, and we'd like for you to join in with us. Again, if you haven't seen them, please do so for today's program. But before we discuss these three videos, panelists and analysts, I'm just wondering, and I'd like to get your general response real quickly. Does it seem like we're living in a time that openly where power decides right and wrong? where power is making a statement, I don't give a damn or what you think, where power is just outright going to pump you and tell you, this is what we're going to do now, what you're going to do about it. That's a generalization seems like um, that is happening today, particularly if you look around, around the issue or the genocidal process that is taking place in Israel, Palestine. So, Brother Haki, I'd just like to have a general response to that backdrop about power seem to be exerting itself and don't give a damn what people say and begin to let people know who has the real control. Your response to that narrative, Brother Haki? Yeah, well, I I think to some to some extent, Brother Africa, I think uh, power has always been indifferent uh, to the uh, to the interests of humanity generally. I think specifically, I think one of the things we talk about in terms of the absolute uh, unwillingness of power to concede wrong on any level speaks a kind of precariousness that exists, you know, among the the power elite. Uh, clearly, Brother Africa, these people are under great pressures because they realize. 
that capitalism is declined. They also realize that the consciousness of the people is growing. Uh, they also realize, you know, that there is a there is a, a particular exuberance among young people who understand clearly, you know, given the fact that they have no future, that they become the realization that if they don't do something in terms something very drastic in terms of trying to bring some kind of resolve to these problems they fundamentally confront with, that these problems are not going to go anywhere. So given all of these, so given so given this backdrop, then we understand the kind of pressures the the power elite are up against. Then we understand why they're becoming more and more ruthless, more and more emboldened. Because the bottom line is, brother Africa, they really don't have a choice. Uh, as a matter of fact, in order for them to maintain any longevity, they got to absolutely convince the mass of the people that if you don't do what we say, if you if you don't acquiesce, then we're going to crush you. They must convey that message to the mass of the people. And so in that regard. In order, in, in order for them to convey that message in terms of you know uh, this kind of this kind of fear, they got to continually reinforce this notion in fact that we are in control. And so when the, so when the masses of people in America say, listen, we want health care, we want jobs, we want affordable housing, and when the, when the power elite say to them, go to hell, we're not going to do that. Uh, it's reinforced by you know police actions in terms of killing mass mass number of people, uh, killing people illegally. Uh, high incarceration rate in terms of incarcerating people and treating people as though they're less than human beings, just to get the murder out, you know, that we have absolute control over your lives. And then if you don't play ball, then he's, these are clearly the consequences. So this kind of preparedness that these, these the power leaders confronted with, you know, it's not going, it's not, it's, it's, it's going to only grow, which means that ruthlessness is only going to escalate. And so we got to fundamentally understand that. So for those of us who are sincere in terms of bringing about real change to society, or real revolution to society, that we got to understand, given the fundamental insecurity of those positions of power, that we got to understand when we take a stand in terms of doing that which is right, uh, there is a potential price to be paid for that, because these people are under threat. Capitalism is in decline. They know that. Uh, no matter what they do, no matter what kind of economic policy they adopt, uh, capitalism is in decline. No matter how much you give money to the wealth, to the 1% of the population, or one-tenth one tenth, 1% of the population, no matter how much money they get, the bottom line is that given the 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 the, 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 um, the lack of, of fundamental uh, money flow through the system uh, results in a situation in which society becomes more and more poor. They, they they're caught up in a bit of a conundrum because without the money flowing through the system, there's no way for this economy to expand. If the economy can't expand, then what it does? It contracts. It goes down. And so, and that's despite the fact, as a matter of fact, the more money you give to the one-tenth or one-percent of the population or the one-percent of the population, the more money you give them, the faster the economy contracts. And they understand that. And so for them, the only solution is, is the game of fear. And they're going to do that on, on many, many levels. Uh, if they're going to do it not only verbally, they do it surreptitiously in terms of very sneakily behind, it, behind the scene they do it. They're going to do it in terms of, in terms of setting example of people. So clearly, Brother Africa, I think that this question in terms of uh, this, this indifference to the, to the truth has all been part and parcel in terms of the power elite in this country. So that's not going to change. It's only going to get worse. Yo, fella, you're not on. We'd like to thank everybody um, for a technical mishap. We're back now. I think everyone can hear me. We're going to make our transition to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, one of the things we want to do is to just raise with you as well. Just a general um, critique 
how power is displaying itself today. And it seems to have taken the attitude that we're going to just outright do what we want, when we want. And what you see means nothing. Your response, Brother Anthony. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, well, let's see. Um, uh, Frederick Douglass uh, 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 observed nearly uh, uh, n- nearly two centuries ago that power can seize nothing without demand. And uh, and uh, in order uh, in order for people to exercise power over their lives, they have to demand it, and uh, and that can only be done through permanent organization. And um, it seems as if uh, 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 the powers that exist now, which are capitalism, uh, imperialism, and Zionism and all of its manifestations, is exerting uh, 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 power uh, very openly and very nakedly. And, uh, you know, and... Uh, and it, and it, 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 it is uh, it's acting as if no force on, on earth can stop it. The people organized can put an end to it, and uh, and I think uh, people are starting to realize that that they can actually um, you know for example. Uh, uh, the move uh, made by the NFL uh, is sparking all kinds of backlash, and uh, and uh, the people uh, and people are saying they can do without football. So uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, where uh, where uh, where there's oppression, there is resistance. And the resistance is growing. And uh, however, uh, let's see. Um, uh, Zionism is on an offensive, and is exerting its power. And uh, and is and uh, and that's why. And they do that by co- uh, by co-opting uh, signs of resistance. In other words, uh, in other words, the the take a knee, for example, uh, was uh, was actually a show, uh, uh, used to be in African community a show of solidarity. Uh, however, uh, the uh, designers have co-opted that, and uh, and are, uh, are, are telling NFL players to take a knee for the Zionist state of Israel, and uh, they're trying to, uh, uh, you know, involve Africans. As the uh, sister points out, in a in, in, in a struggle 
that ha that 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 does not have anything to do with them, at least not directly. But is not uh is not take a knee for uh, for Palestine is to take a knee for the Zionist entity Israel. And uh and um and uh, there's all kinds of backlash against that, and uh, correctly so, because Zionism is an unjust, racist system, and uh, it's not uh, it's not surprising that it would find uh, a, a hotbed inside the NFL, because uh, this society was built. <laughs> on uh the uh uh the uh exploitation of the indigenous and african people and uh so it uh so it's really a a a continuation of uh of a, of similar struggles and people are starting to see that and uh you know and uh and in spite of Zionism offensive, uh, uh, let's see, uh, they, uh, it will not, uh, the truth crushed earth will rise again. And, uh, and, uh, and that's what's happening. And that's why there's such a backlash against the NFL for this move that it's making. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Sister Eleanor, as you look at the first video, NFL, uh, in fear and nervous after asking players to take a knee, did the Jewish lobby pay for it? Looking at all the dynamics of sports, in the present political situation that's going on in the so-called Middle East, in Israel, Palestine, why would the NFL encourage or ask the ball player to take a knee for Israel? What's going on? What's the motivation? And what are some dynamics, I think, African people in particular and oppressed people in general in general need to be aware of in terms of what is that play, what an act like that. Your perspective, Sister Eleanor. One of the issues is it goes back to um, the press. It goes back to the development, the, the U.S. authoritarian uh uh, system that we seem to be living under and um, the influence of the NFL. You know, many times uh, on this show in the past, we've discussed the NFL and the fact that the players themselves make billions of dollars for uh, industry and owners of the NFL and the associates of the NFL. 
and they are in in fact uh, working only at their will, you know, as uh, you mentioned, Cabinet. Now, he took a knee, solidarity, and to, in protest, but also in solidarity with African Americans and the treatment of African Americans by the police in the United States and the danger of just striving while being black in the United States. And uh, President Donald Trump called for his firing. His whole career was smashed. And now we see uh, the NFL asking the players to take a, a, a knee. This demonstrates their vulnerability to those who are really looking. And the question is whether or not when this happened a month ago, how many people took a knee or did anyone listen to that? Part of the terms and conditions of your employment that you do what the owner owners and the league request. Now, this is a really interesting phenomenon because, as I said, with what's going on in my world with that little segment, right now the whole issue is journalism. And in this country, there's a a mesh with uh, what they call news entertainment and journalism. And um, the potential ramifications for these players, if they're forced to take a knee, what will be the uh, ramifications for uh, not only the NFL, but uh, for other areas and arenas where blacks dominate as the the employees? Because, you know, blacks making up 70% of the NFL, that means that's a good job for for some black people, and they dominate that industry, but they can be replaced by another person that looks like them, made and sound like them, but it's not them, because after all, we're an anomaly. And uh, just shows what an impact uh, lobbyists have on industry not only uh, on the Hill, but also on industry. You know, once upon a time, it was just the people boycotting uh, in solidarity with the farm workers. Now we have industry putting pressure on the NFL, lobbyists putting pressure on them to demand that employees perform in a certain fashion that goes far beyond playing the game itself, but having a political influence uh, over the masses, much like the uh, Zionist movement has had over uh, modern-day Christianity, where you see in the United States and Central America, Israel is financing these mega Pentecostal churches where they... uh, allege uh, that the Bible and other, the tariffs, uh, 
warrant their actions against the Palestinian people and against the Palestinian nation. None of this is true. And Judaism is important to state. It has nothing to do with Zionism and the Holocaust that the Zionists are committing in a military settler state that they call Israel, but in fact is Palestine. And it's just uh, so much confusion and lack of knowledge uh, of the masses. And so this is just a political tool to brainwash and confuse the masses. Thank you, Brother Moses. What can you draw from this act or NFL on this action, these players, what he encourages players to take in me for the state of Israel at this particular time? Brother Moses, okay. We will come back to Brother Moses. We are going to Brother Haki. Brother Haki, you know, I find this particular uh, behavior uh, really interesting in terms of it has all kinds of dynamics. I think people need to take a look at, particularly understanding that you have a sport which 90% of the participants, 75-80% of the participants are, are, are African participants. You have a slave-slave-master relationship between players and ownership. You also have a question of how they view each other. The owners see life for one set of people, different form life for another set of people, and they have different responses. You can take a knee for those citizens who see themselves as Israeli citizens, but at the same time, Africans who are so-called citizens here right in this particular country and elsewhere, they don't, they don't see their lives as being equal. So in terms of looking at these parallels, Brother Haki, there's so much things can be said. Just the idea for them to ask them to do, ask them to do that, it says a lot. What do you draw from this particular um, um, request, Brother Haki? Yeah, I, I think to, to some level it does underscore the, the whole master-slave relationship. And, you know, you, you're absolutely correct, Brother Africa. When you talk about, you know, 80, 80 85% of the NFL being African people, then you sit there and tell them, say, listen, we abhor the idea of you standing up for racial justice for African people, but we want you to take a knee for, for, some, for some entity, a Zionist entity that's killing Palestinian people over the Middle East, and, 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 and we're supposed to embrace that. To even expect African people to embrace their fundamental inhumanity against the Palestinian people is to deny the history of African people right here in America itself. And so in order for them to do that, then they got to see uh, African people as somehow less than themselves. Because a people that you see as equal, you will never ask them to fundamentally side with a destructive force uh, that's engaged in oppression and, and repression of a people, uh, which we understand historically has always been you know, uh, inflicted on, in particular, you know, uh, uh, people of color, and so therefore, for them to even, even raise such a, a such a narrative in terms of actually taking a knee for Israel, I mean, it speaks volumes in terms of the kind of contempt they have for African people. That's no way of getting around that. And of course, the question around, you know, when we talk 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 about in terms of, you know, you know, you know, maintaining your your employment with NFL, 
uh, you know, if you don't do it, then the repercussions or possible repercussions if you don't do so. But, you know, at some point, Brother Afro, you have to ask yourself, you know, I mean, you, should, you know, um, it's not easy in terms of fundamentally addressing the injustice in the society. But at some point, you have to ask yourself, you know, is it really worth it for me to maintain this job in terms of sacrificing my dignity, my humanity, you know, uh, you know, just to give these Zionists uh, a, a leg up on, 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 on Palestinian people? Uh, so I think in, to that regard, Brother Africa, I think each African in the NFL has to decide for himself, you know, whether or not, you know, uh, and participate in, in such a thing uh, uh, will diminish them to such a point that it would be literally hard for them to sleep at nighttime knowing what they did is not only fundamentally uh, 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 hurtful to the establishment people, but it's equally hurtful to African people in society who suffer the, the whims of, you know, police brutality and police killings on a daily basis in the society. Uh, so in any event, we're going to see what happens. But but aside from that, Brother Africa, we, we, in terms of another potential repercussion, I think one of the things is that, you know, when, when you start talking about in terms of, you know, visibility, one of the things the Zionists won't do, they won't acknowledge that, you know, the, the, the visibility in terms of the African in terms of the African struggle here in America or visible African movement globally is very much on the minds of lots and lots of people. So they're fundamentally aware of their visibility. So for them to ask African people to take a stand for Israel knows that it's going to, it's going to elicit world support or world attention. And to a large extent, it's not only going to elicit world attention, but it's going to legitimize the Zionist forces in Israel in terms of their, their destruction of the Palestinian people. For that reason alone, I think, you know, certainly I think those Africans in the NFL should say, listen, if you're going to get rid of me because I don't take a knee for Israel, then, hey, do what you got to do. But at some point, you have, to, you, have to, you have to realize, you know, that when you start talking about the inhumanity of it all, to the extent that you continue uh, your acquiesce to uh, this, kind of, this kind of inhumanity, you do so at your own demise. Because if, you, if they can do that to the Palestinian people, what do you think that designers can do to Africans right here in America? So when we talk about the African the designers spending $1 million to get rid of people of color, you know, in, you know, in, the, in, the, in the political arena, when we talk about $100 million to get rid of people, it's to say that the, the thing is that African people don't have a voice, shouldn't have a voice, and will not have a voice based upon, you know, their understanding in terms of, in terms of their relationship with African people. So if they think that we shouldn't have a voice and we don't deserve a voice, or we don't require a voice, if they really think that, then fundamentally, what does that say in terms of how you see African people? It's a very simple supposition. I mean, how do you see African people when you tell them, shut up? In essence, what you tell them is to shut up. And if you don't shut up, we're going we're gonna to smack you down. You see, so for me, for any African to go along with that program, I, I think, I, you know, I certainly, hope if, I certainly hope they wouldn't do that. But if they, but if they do go along with that program, I think certainly one of the things I think is in order is the boycott NFL. I mean, nobody should watch another football game. Nobody should support it. As a matter of fact, when you run to these brothers in the streets, you should make a point, you know, pointing out the absurdity in terms of participating in the Zionist movement in terms of legitimizing the slaughter of Palestinian people over there in, in Palestine. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, I thank you. Right, the repercussions or ramifications are very, very clear, and I certainly hope that African people will not partake and what is essentially, you know, uh, not in their own best interest. And I close with that. Um, Brother Haki. 
I want to hold you on for a couple more minutes, and then we'll go to our next panelist. What is your take on this situation, which I think when issues like this occur, we should um, you know, use it as a teachable moment. We often tell people why capitalism is the system that is the enemy not only to African people but to but to humanity. When you look at the sports, the politics of sports, and look at look at how Zionism has influence and control in certain industries. What we're looking at is a continuation of the capitalist system in terms of the owners see the players as their property. And they have the right to dictate to them what they can and can't do because they give them a wage. They call it paycheck. They call it being a millionaire, signing a millionaire um, dollar contract. Well, if your allegiance is to the money and to whoever pay you the money, now that the players are in the position that what choices do they have? They, yes, they have choices, but if they gave their allegiance to the money, then they become a victim of their own, um, a victim of their own, 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 own interests or design money as being the most important thing in their lives. They are consciously or unconsciously enslaving themselves or being used as a tool for enslavement by committing themselves around the whole concept of, of, of money. And I wonder how many of these ball players them got together and said, man, I'm not going to take a knee scared of the consequences that they no longer will be able to be employable in the industry. Just your general response to that. I find it very interesting. Now they caught up in their own lackings. You know, many of the players say, I'm down with the money. Well, if you're going to be down with the money, you also got to be down to let other people control you. Your response. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Brother Africa. It, it, it does come down to a value system. You know, when we fundamentally talk about the exploitation or oppression of African people, to, to the extent that we acquiesce or participate in our own oppression revolves around the value system. So one of the problems we try to get our people to understand is that, listen, you can't participate or you can't internalize or accept the values of the system without understanding that when you do so, you do so at your own demise. And so a lot of our people have embraced this, this capitalist concept. And, and it's in, it's, in other words, we see our value uh, uh, in, 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 in relationship uh, to how much money that we have access to. And when you, ha- when you think like that, then, of course, you are a willing slave, and that's precisely the point. And when you talk about designers being the consummate capitalists, they're very, very, very manipulative. And nobody wants to stereotype, you know, uh, stereotype the Jewish community because a lot, of, a lot of people in the Jewish community who are legitimately Jews, not Zionists, are very, very good people, and they take their volition or, 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 or very, very seriously. Uh, but, of course, and when we talk specifically about the Zionist community, these are some ruthless people, man. And they do have an enormous amount of control over certain industries in America. Uh, when we talk about entertainment, uh, Hollywood particularly, when we talk about sports, uh, when we talk about the, we talk the, the, the media, Zionist has an enormous, enormous amount of control over those industries. And that's not a stereotype. That's statistically verifiable. And the problem is that because they are Zionists and they, and, and they, and they embrace capitalism, of course, Anyone who doesn't wield power, anyone who doesn't have power, is perceived as somewhat ad- inadequate or lacking. If you're perceived, in particular African people, as inadequate or lacking, then what they do to our people, to African people, becomes inconsequential. 
And this is the problem that we're confronted with in terms of this whole dynamic, in terms of these people actually telling us, listen, hey, you, 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 people, you people take a knee because we say so. We write your checks. And if you want to keep on making that money, then you better do as we say. So we've had to fundamentally reject this premise, in fact, that, in fact, that, we, that we're 21st century slaves. Uh, the money is fine. Money makes life easier. There's no question about that. But to what extent are you willing to acquiesce in terms of your own enslavement? Uh, you know, because the bottom line is that, you know, you, you know when, you, when you leave this, 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 this life, uh, you can't take that with you. Uh, when you have to live your life after retirement and you have to deal with the consequences of your behavior, it's not always that easy in terms of coming to terms with all the bad things that you did in order to keep a, a, keep a check coming your way. So sometimes you have to make those sacrifices in terms of being truly free. I think for, I think for capitalists, they would tell you, man, please, uh, I'd rather be wealthy than free. And, and that's and that, sure, and, and, and that, that that sentiment does exist. But the bottom line is, if we're going to be truly free in society, you know, as 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 an oppressed nationality, then African people have to fundamentally reject this premise that in fact that our worth is based upon how much dollars that we have. And then once we understand that our premise is not based upon how much money we have, then we can begin to create those institutions, those organizations that we need to truly empower us well into the future, because our children depend on us innovating and create institutions and organizations that are going to be truly empowering. Uh, so clearly, by that, you're absolutely correct. The implications are very, very clear, and the implications are not very, very good. And I think that for African people, we have to formally understand, you know, that we must not see ourselves as anyone else's property. And I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. Brother Anthony, um, you know, like they say, you better connect yourself with, with the organized masses. How will come from the organized masses? Kim, if I can say to that, Brother Anthony, I'm just wondering, in terms of when we look at the second video, the Jewish APEC lobby offer America offer America hundred million dollars to fire or unseat black people, and they're talking about African people in Congress. We talk about the impact of Zionism. Mm-hmm. We talk about APEC. They dictate who should have the right and means to run for these offices. But one of the contradictions we have to admit, Brother Anthony, is that understanding this capitalist system, you know, it's illusion democracy because it could never be a democracy where you can have financial wealth and power where you can dictate who will govern and how they should govern. And when you talk about representation, if you took their money, like most of all the African politicians have done to continue to do, which means there can be no more than a stool pitches for them, then what can you say, Anthony? What do you say in terms of, again, how Zionism is see African people in terms of, at this point in time, there seems to be a sentiment that is only going at African people who are participating in the so-called uh, um, political arena. Not only in the U.S., they're going for African people throughout the world and view us as, as the enemy or a enemy. Your response, Brother Anthony? Yes. How do you deal with uh, that? My, my response is that uh, is that is uh, is a classic example of neocolonialism at work uh, because. Um, these uh, these political figures ostensibly have power, but they only they only only to the extent that they do the Democratic Party's bidding. Uh, 
And see, that's the catch. And uh, that people don't don't realize when they embark upon political careers is that they are they are they are beholden to whatever political entity they belong to, whether uh, uh, whether it's the Republic, the Democratic Republican du- duopoly. Uh, you know some of the political parties on the on the European left, they are beholden to uh to their uh their ideology and and uh and uh class interests. And uh, the de- uh, the Democratic Republican duopoly represents uh. The a, 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 the exploiting classes in society, which in this case is the ruling bourgeoisie, and uh, those are the only interests they represent. So any uh, so any African that gets involved in those and uh, uh, and and uh, that. Or, organization ends up uh, uh, sell, uh, selling out automatically to the interests of uh, uh, of that uh, of that class and against their own interests and that is how they have Africans and other uh, nationalities working against their own interests by uh, by this uh, control and uh and it's only when we get organized politically uh will we put an end to it we have to belong to uh to an organization that's politically working for in our interests for our empowerment and not uh uh I, you know our class enemy and that is how the Zionists exert uh so much influence in the African community today is they control the mindset of a lot of the political figures we look to for leadership. Hey brother Anthony if you give your loyalty to a party and when you are in trouble or other entities got more power than the power than the than the party does, where's the value where's the value of saying you are a Democrat or you are a Republican? Where is a Democrat? Where's the Republican when it comes to maintaining and protecting the interests of Africans? When they are in that body functioning as a Democrat but when the designers come to attack them, the other members of their party are no nowhere around to support you. What is the value of continuing to vote one party only? Either you go vote Democrat or vote Republican, and that party doesn't have your damn back. What's the logic he voting and tabling the seat that allow itself to be exploited like that? Uh, it doesn't make it doesn't make you make a good point, brother Africa. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, let's see. I mean, uh, 
I mean, it's been shown. It's been shown through the years that ne- that that uh, that neither wing uh, 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 of the Senate gives a damn about us. And as a matter of fact, uh, a lot of people don't realize the Democratic Party was the party of the slaveocracy. So, uh, so, 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 so the uh, the interests can't uh, can't be be in any way the same. That's like saying the the slave masters' interests are are, are the interests of the slave. Doesn't make sense. And uh, and it's because we uh, a lot of us don't know this history. That uh, that we fall we we fall for the okey doke a lot of times. Thank you, brother Anthony. Let's move to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, when we talk about neocolonialism, when earlier when we were speaking to the whole issue with Kwame Ture, we were talking about students and the role and the values they they play in society, and how they can either transform society, either being for the people or against the people. We see former students, such as King Jeffrey and um, Cora Booker, according to many of the documentaries and videos that's out today, and there's a particular one that we're discussing today called Cora Booker, recruiting black people for APAC, for American Israel Political Action Committee. They seem to be and have taken the role of a neocolonist, acting out the interests for designers and not serving our community and people at all. So, Eleanor, I know you're an advocate for voting and putting people in these positions. How do we deal with that phenomenon, that issue, Sister Eleanor? How do we deal with the neocolonies as they continue to weigh their illusion of political power and yet being controlled and acting out in the interest of Zionism? Your response Sister Eleanor. Well, one of the things that was very interesting in the video with Cory Booker is we see how much he has lied to the community. When you hear the story about Cory Booker living in the project, you you got the idea that he grew up in the project and went to Stanford and then to Yale Law School. One in effect, he went to live in the project to possibly win the vote to Newark because of the number of African-Americans or people, Africans that are there and the number of poor people, and their vote is valuable. The reality is neocolonialism is something we have to obviously fight in the United States as well as abroad. And the way we do that, as is often discussed on this show, is through organizing and, uh, most importantly, educating. You can see the uh, impact that uh, Cory Booker had on the uh, – on on the APAC, AIPAC lobby when he stood before them more than likely as a paid guest suggested 
that they make sure they hit the college campuses and begin to recruit uh, these young adults, not to wait until they become congressmen, senators, or move up in their community as political activists, but to hit them while they're being educated, while they're in school, while they're on university campuses. And uh, this is a a real phenomenon. And as uh, you played in one of the uh, cultural breaks, and we listened to the former head of SNCC, uh, uh, and say that uh, it was a strategy once uh, the government realized the impact we're having politically during the Vietnam War and other actions of the imperialist U.S. government, uh, they decided that they would infiltrate the campuses and begin to do recruiting on the campuses from then on and to marginalize people with whatever tools it took, whether it was cash, whatever it took. And uh, they were successful at doing that. And uh, Corey was giving instructions in the video on telling them, make sure you hit the community. Make sure that you embrace these folks while they're young. Tell them what you want them to know. Teach them what you want them to believe. And that's a real atrocity. But at the same time, you have to remember that there will always be fearless journalists and brave Israel, and they're brave Israeli whistleblowers too that find out how uh, these tools are being used and uh, uh, the tool of controlling information, whether through entertainment or through uh, social manipulation. And we've seen in the last couple of weeks the attack on universities and the demand that university presidents and others resign because of their not shutting down the anti-Zionist protests. And they're suggesting that anti-Zionist protests are anti-Semitic protests, and they are, in fact, not the same. We see progressive people around the world, um, rabbis, ministers, Nobel Prize winners, journalists, all progressives around the world and throughout the United States, standing up against this holocaust, this awful thing happening to the Palestinian people. So it just shows that uh, the neo-colonialists are doing what they're doing, but the people, as the fellow analysts said, are standing up and waking up. And as they are, as someone said, woke they will begin to tell others and they will wake others up and we will stop this atrocity that we see going on. 
just simply not learning fifth grade geography. Thirty seconds, Sister Eleanor. Thirty seconds, please. Has had a tremendous impact on the world as we know it today, because people don't know uh, the boundaries of Russia, let alone uh, uh, the boundaries and nations of Africa. So, um, or the history of. Palestine or the history of Zionism. So uh, Cory Booker is uh, someone that is a danger to the community. But as long as he's being exposed as he was in the video uh, that we had an opportunity to view, he will be stopped people will continue to expose him as you were doing this evening through this forum. Thank you. Thank you. Brother Moses, the Zionists say they're going to screw up and get rid of the Black Caucus. Is this a good thing, Brother Moses? I think we are lost, Brother Moses, for the night panelists. We have some issues with him. But what we're going to do is panelists, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, what we want to do is just give each one of y'all a couple of minutes just to be speaking in general, which may have not, other issues that need to be looked at and linked to this whole issue of the American-Israeli Political Action Committee, its relationship to sports and neocolonialism, and the politics of Zionism in the African community. There are so many uh, dynamic factors that we could speak to. And I know one program is not enough, but we'll give each one of y'all a few minutes for your final thoughts. Take some time to think about what you can say and share it with our listening audience. This is Brother Africa. This is Africa of the Moon. We're going to take a rubber share culture break when we come back. Our panelists are going to give you some of their additional ideas on the theme tonight and their final thoughts. We'll be right back, and don't you go nowhere.
That's right. Africa is where air hot lies. We welcome you back to Africa on the Move, and we're speaking to the theme, APAC, Sports and Neocolonialism, the Politics of Zionism in the African Community. You know, brothers and sisters, we live in a time now when we look at this um, genocide that's taking place in Palestine today, I mean, at this particular time. African people seem to be put in the spotlight um, for what they have not done in coming to the support and aid of the Zionist State of Israel. What do you think about that? We are being viewed by the Zionist forces as Israel's number one worst enemy. For a reaction, there are a reaction, and our closing thoughts for the night. We'll give each one of our members a few minutes to speak on the theme of other issues that related to the dynamic and to share their thoughts with our listening Pan-African world and our world of friends and allies who all are seeking for justice and freedom. We'll start off with Sister Eleanor. You'll find the thoughts, Sister Eleanor. Well, Brother Africa, what we see is the importance of having some real reform in this country in terms of voter reform and that uh, you have to follow the money. What I learned from the video with Cory Booker, for example, was his move up through the political arena had a money trail where you see jobs in these urban areas, you know, public jobs, where it might have taken $50,000 to become uh, uh, a council person or mayor. It's now costing a million. Where's that million coming from? It's not coming from you and I. It's coming from special interest groups. So there needs to be real real reform in terms of campaign finance. That's one thing. And we have to realize what he said, for example. He said Jesse Jackson didn't speak for him. Um, Al Sharpton didn't speak for him. And that, quote, unquote, we need to stop having one black speak for all blacks, but that's clearly what he was doing. But you have to realize that the APAC also online, if you look them up, they're asking U.S. citizens to just click on a site and it'll call their congressperson to tell them to stand as the allies of Israel. Well, this is what you call, again, propaganda and political nipple manipulation, and authoritarianism at work. We have to stand up for true journalism. We have to unite around journal journalists and realize that news entertainment and the truth are two different things. And uh, this uh, is a subject that is so vast and so deep when I saw how uh, Senator uh, uh, 
Booker's career had advanced. And uh, he wasn't ever the candidate of the people. He was always the candidate of special interest. And the Black Caucus may be misguided, but it's certainly a necessity. And the people need to speak out to the caucus. And more importantly, we have to understand that voting may be a reform, but it's important to protect that reform and to make sure we have control over that reform. And that means campaign finance reform. It means shooting down these state laws that have restricted African voting rights in the United States over the last year, and to also pass national legislation such as the John Lewis Act that standardizes voting rights throughout the United States and its territories. Hey, Sister Alidon, and with that, also, yeah. also look at, at those videos as a tool for learning. It points out very clearly all of these people who arrived in these electoral positions who claim to represent the African community, they all basically have been chosen, basically by the designers. So how how are we going to get past that point? I hear your point, but I still have issues with trying to understand how that logic will, will help push our people forward. But uh, real quick, if you can, 30 seconds response, we'll move on. I just wanna, want you to educate me a little more because I'm confused in that. What what was the question again? How do we get past the Zionists? The question the is how will the how will these reforms of having these elected African officials serve in these capacities when it was shown in the documentary basically all of them have been um chosen for us being handpicked? How do we get past I, that? Part of the way we get past that is campaign finance reform. That's one tool. It it shouldn't it shouldn't you shouldn't be restricted from running for public office because you don't have enough money. Recently you see in the Republican Party they're having forms but you're not even allowed to participate in the forum if you didn't raise enough money. That's undermining the whole electoral process, the one way that we're able to do it. But uh we don't give up on the vote. We have to form our own parties and eliminate eliminate uh, where funds come from and not accept this corporate money and not accept these lobbyist money. And also, remember, always go to the Board of Election and publicize where the funds uh, I, are I, coming from for these candidates. I hear you, Sister Eleanor have their own party and continue to function under the band of structural capitalism will lead that people to a different a different a different course, a different direction. That could be very interesting. But thank you, my sister, for your contribution to today's program. Let's move on to uh, Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, your final thoughts we tonight need a- on this team. Brother Anthony. Uh, my final thought is that uh is that our our enemies are well organized 
that is uh, uh, one of the things I drew from uh, from all uh, these three videos tonight is that our enemy is well organized, and the only way uh, we can uh, beat uh, an organized enemy is through permanent organization, and uh, we have to. We have to form our own political parties that serve our interests and not the interests of the ruling class exclusively, as the Democratic Republican duopoly does. And uh, we have to uh, uh, organize. We ha- uh, when we go into a coalition or a front, we have to be organized ourselves, and uh, that's the mistake we ke- we keep making. We keep going into these uh, uh, multinational uh, organizations and fronts without being first organized. And uh, and 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 uh, and that's critically important in order for us to even even get reforms passed. Uh, You know, we have to be organized as a people and uh, and in order to defeat our enemies, we it takes permanent political organization. And uh, one such organization is the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Our objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. We understand that socialism and unification is the ultimate solution to the political problems we're facing with Zionism, imperialism, capitalism, and all other forms of exploitation. And uh, we it takes permanent organization to bring that about. And uh, uh, let's see, you can find out more about our organization by visiting our website www.a-aprp-gc.org and you can learn about the uh, our history our objective and uh, our uh, views on various issues impacting the African community thank you for having me Thank you, Brother Anthony, for your contributions to today's program, and we will make our transition to our final panelists and analysts for today's program, Brother Haki, your final thoughts on the subject matter for today, Brother Haki. Yeah, well, you know, you know, the mere fact the, um, the U.S. government is providing, at minimum, $11 billion a year to the Zionist regime of Israel. Uh, doesn't bode well for economics. Uh, certainly, when you start talking about in terms of the 
the, the, the decline of the economy, and you talk about these right-wing uh, uh, politicians, both Democrat and Republican, who are vis- visibly behind the scene working to destroy Social Security, then you begin to wonder, well, if 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 you got eleven billion dollars, you know, um, a year to give to the Zionist regime, what is the fundamental problem in terms of providing taking the same eleven billion dollars in terms of strengthening the social security system? It speaks in terms of values, and this is one of the things we I think we have to fundamentally understand. Uh, the kind of virus that the Zionists are uh, are proliferating are not the kind of viruses in the interest of the United States. And so it's, I find it ironic that so many leaders, both Republicans and Democrats, are willing to participate in essentially what is a self-destructive endeavor. Now, keep in mind that these same Zionists that the U.S. support are busy playing a very dangerous game. Uh, uh, recently, they bombed a, a mosque in, uh, in Gaza. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, they attacked uh, the... Um, the southern region of Lebanon in an attempt to strike uh, Hezbollah. Now, ironically, when you start talking in terms of pop, in terms of organization, Hezbollah is very organized. In fact, it's the only it's the only state in the U, in the, uh, in, the in the Middle East that has defeated Israel in terms of military uh, military you know uh, 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 military uh, confrontations. Uh, so when you talk about bringing Hezbollah into the picture, then clearly you know uh, inevitably. You know, uh, the U.S., the only way for Israel to survive in that context is going to be for the U.S. to actually militarily intervene. If the U.S. military intervene, uh, you know, the, the, the impact on the economy initially, where, while, while it may be good in terms of, you know, uh, you know, um, you know uh, production in terms of, as, a, as a means to boost the economy, but over long, it's over, 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 over long period of time, relatively, well, a relatively short period of time, it's going to devastate the economy simply because the kind of production can't keep pace with the, the kind of economic decline that is that will be taking place if the United States, in fact, decides to back Israel uh, in terms of attacking Hezbollah. Now, keep in mind, um, there's a pact between the U.S. and Israel. So Israel understands that if it, in fact, goes to war with Hezbollah, the U.S. is, 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 is contractually bound to support the Zionists of Israel. So all this doesn't bode well for in terms of the, 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 the masses of people here in America, particularly for the African people. You know, as they seek ways to cut the, to cut the economy uh, to, and, and, and bring, some, bring some revenue you know, to the systems, uh, clearly uh, those, those programs which fundamentally uh, impact the lives of African people are going to be most disproportionately impacted in terms of budget cuts. And those budget cuts is going to really hurt. So we got our work cut off us in terms of what are we going to do in terms of that eventuality? And clearly, at this point in, at this point in history, it looks like a real eventuality that's going to happen. I certainly hope it doesn't come to pass, but if the Zionists continue to bomb, you know, southern Lebanon and trying to strike Hezbollah, Hezbollah has no other choice but to join, it, join into the fray, and which is not good for anyone. But having said that, Brother Africa, as always, I encourage people to unravel the matrix. I, I think is key. Uh, there's no question about it. Organization, institutions, we've got to have them. We must teach our children the truth. Uh, we must teach our children our history. We must teach our children in terms of importance of persevering. But in order to persevere, our kids first and foremost going to understand that the capabilities of persevering very much resides, you know, in, in their DNA. And, uh, and so if we can do that and create those conditions, sort of reinforce that idea in terms of perseverance, then our kids will be just fine. But having said that, Brother Africa, you have a good night. Thank you, Brother Haki. You do the same. Thank all our political panelists and analysts. 
for their contributions to today's program. We thank you, the listening audience, friends, and supporters of Africa on the Move, allowing us to come to your home today where we can speak truth to the powerful and the powerless and to share some information with you so that you can use it as a tool for liberation. We remind you that Africa on the Move is a community program and development project for the, under the African Wellness Association. You can hear this program every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please spread the word, share the word, and we want to increase our listenership by 24s. Now you share and spread the word. We believe we can do this. If you'd like to have a copy of this program or any other program, just feel free to email us at AfricaOnTheMove2 at gmail.com. If you'd like to support our work and our efforts, you can do that by cash helping us at dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b. We thank you. Like always, we're going to try to do our best, give you our, give you our best because you're the best. Until next time, next week, as always, remember to subscribe to Go Forward Album, back with novel, and for the next 10 minutes, we will play some music inspiration, and liberation. Thank you for joining and participating with Africa on the Move Radio. We'll see you next week. This is Brother Africa, and I say to you, let's get organized. Organization is a solution to the problems of all oppressed people. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you next week. And we'll continue to subscribe to go forward, Africa. That was never. This is Africa on the move.